Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. P for P, Real Talk, Midwest Muscle in the house. Kaylin Patterson on the airwaves, live and in digital color, I guess. And this program is sponsored by P for P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship foundation in the world. And if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation stand-on, and a vehicle to drive your goals like a Mack truck through ice cream, check us out at P4PMuscle.com. And now let's chit-chat with the banter. I'm talking, we have a special guest today. I mean, I, I was really intrigued. I was, oh, for those that don't know, I was at the Michigan State Natural uh, Bodybuilding Show and over the weekend, and it was a lot of good competition, a lot of good competitors. But one uh, really stood out, and I do mean that uh, both figuratively and literally, because of, uh, you know, what he's been through and what his ordeal in life, and I'm talking about Kevin Bailey, and he had, well, he has quite a story to share. I I got to hear it firsthand, and I said, well, then, you know, I don't want to be selfish and keep it to myself. I want him to be able to share it with everyone, because we have basically – uh, 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 an excuse for everything that keeps us from doing anything. And this man has found a way to remove a lot of excuses from his life to basically be able to be uh, mobile and still relevant in life and his lifestyle. I'm speaking about Kevin Bailey. Kevin Bailey, please introduce yourself to the community. Uh, start with your history and then basically what walked you up into wanting to compete and uh, step on stage as a natural athlete. Hello, everybody. I'm Kevin Bailey. I'm 38 years old. I uh, actually have been uh, lifting weights since I was about 14. I uh, actually was a chubby kid, and you know how that goes. You know, everybody's not all that nice to the chubby kid, so I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I wanted to be strong. I started lifting weights, and... uh, Unfortunately, at that age, you don't know too much about eating habits, so it just made me bigger, actually. <laughs> As time went on, you know, I got more and more educated on the uh, the lifestyle, and it actually uh, it started to transform me. I started to slim down, and I started to understand the actual mechanics of bodybuilding, and uh over time, I went from a whopping 268 pounds to 205, from 205 to about 180 pounds. Um, at that time, I decided, you know what, I want to compete in bodybuilding. I want to see if I can stand on the stage with some of those muscular guys and fit in. Um, I didn't know too many actual competitors, and I was introduced to one by the name of Darian Bonds. Um, which was a great competitor out of Michigan at one point in time. And, you know, I asked his, asked his advice, and he looked at me, and, you know, he was a turning point for me because he was honest with me. He didn't hold anything back. He told me, you know, you got great points, but to be honest, to be competitive, you will have to eventually turn the steroids, which set a fire to me because I believe that I can do everything on my own through the power of God. And you're not going to tell me that I can't. So 
So I mm-hmm. took about two or three years, and I trained hard. And I actually did my first show in London because <laughs> I was oh, nervous wow. about competing at home. I didn't want, you know, to be embarrassed just in case I didn't fit in, which I shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I should have been proud of my accomplishments. Um, I wound up placing six in London, and it just amazed me. I became addicted. So I trained harder a little bit more, and I wound up coming back to Michigan and competing in the Ron Love Show here in uh, Redford, at the Redford Theater. Um, mm-hmm. Speed up a little bit. I did a couple more shows, and I started to feel really bad. This was around 2014, 13. So I went mm-hmm. to the hospital, and uh, the doctors came in, and they said, Mr. Bailey, you have multiple sclerosis, and walked out of my room as if they oh, were just saying good morning. <laughs> Me being the guy I am, I jumped out of my bed and chased the doctor down because I, you're not, for one, you're not going to just give me that information like that's the end of it. Um, I made them do more tests. All the tests came back saying, yes, sir, you have multiple sclerosis. I had a hard time accepting that. I prayed mm-hmm. and I prayed and I prayed, but I still did not accept it. And one day I woke up, I opened my eyes. If I'm going to pray for healing, I have to accept the fact that it's there. Once yeah. I can accept the fact that it's there, I believe there's more power in my prayer. I um, I would eventually go on and continue training and working out and speaking with the neurologist. And I think the uh, best and worst thing they could have ever told me was that if it wasn't for my eating habits and my training, that I wouldn't be mobile, that it was for okay. bodybuilding, that I was still moving around. When they told me that, I, you know, I, I lost it because, for one, this is something that I love. And if it's keeping me mobile, then, hey, I'm going to give it all that I got. And I had several relatives who also had multiple sclerosis, and I seen what it did to them. Um, one mm-hmm. had passed on from that ailment, and I didn't want to end up in that same situation. Um, so needless to say, I, uh, I felt I had a good opportunity. I had been training. I have been eating right. And, you know, it didn't wasn't something that bothered me all the time. Um, I kept competing and doing better and better each time. And I finally made it to nationals. Um, and along the way, I had a lot of uh, good advisors, such as Ron Love and John Simmons, who are pros. And over the last several um, years, I've worked with Shelby Stearns, a great nutritionist. Um, you know, he taught me a lot himself, and I used it to keep my diets into check and make sure I'm not overdoing it. Um, great advisor. And through the competitions and the NPC, I was, you know, nationally qualified. And I was like, why am I still doing state-level shows if I'm nationally qualified? And um, mm-hmm. me and Shelby worked and he got me ready for that show naturally, which we knew going into it. You know, some of these guys, are they look like they could already be pros on that level. But anybody on that level that's there, they want to look that part. They 
have done all those things that they need to do to walk away from there as a pro. Um, mm-hmm. And me coming in as a natural, it, it sets me back a little bit. Well, at least that's what you would think. But I brought the best package I could possibly bring. I wound up placing six in uh, mm-hmm. the Master Nationals of 2015, which it blew my mind. I had never looked so good. I had never felt so good. Um, mm-hmm. Just to hear the judges' feedback, like it, it was amazing. And you know, they they mentioned, you know, you will. We actually could have placed you higher. You know, sometimes we make mistakes. We want you to come back um, the following month and compete in another national level show, going towards the pro card. And uh, you know, I thought about it. I talked it over. And it was like, no, I'm not going to leave no room for error. I'm going to give it a year. And then uh-huh. I'm back. I'm going to put on some more size, and they won't be able to deny me this time. During the course of that, maybe six months later, I woke up on my birthday, which was February 3rd of 2016, to uh, well wishes and people telling me happy birthday. And I started to get dressed, and... <laughs> Within minutes of me waking up, I had a stroke. And uh, I was standing in my bathroom. I won't forget. I felt this weakness in my right leg. And, it, you know, it caught me off guard. I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I just moved too fast. Or, you know, it might be the MS acting up. Let me sit down. The worst thing mm-hmm. I did was go further into my home. Uh, I went further into the house away from my front door. And I sat down. Once I sat down, I lost all feeling to the right side. Now I'm starting to panic. I got to get to my front door to get help. <laughs> I uh, I tried to stand up, and I ended up falling on the floor. I had my cell phone with me, and I only have one hand to work. And I start reaching out to people because, you know what, the crazy thing about it is when you have something like this hit you, so many different things run through your mind. I knew this had to be far worse than some type of multiple sclerosis episode. I wasn't quite sure. I had a medical background, and it seemed like the symptoms of a stroke, but I wasn't for sure. So I'm like, okay, well, no no one knows that I'm at home. No one's actually probably going to miss me because I kind of say to myself, Mm-hmm. So I'm like I said, I'm reaching out to people. But the thing is I can't talk. I can't speak properly. So they may think that I'm playing on the phone. Um Yeah. <laughs> I did uh, eventually reach out and contact um my wife and my wife called for help, but unfortunately she was in Canada when she called. So she was dispatched to Canadian uh, dispatchers, which was just a little more drawn out, but they got me help. Um, the next thing in my head was, okay, how are they going to get into your house? You're in the back of your house and all your doors are locked. Oh. God gave me the strength. I, and God gave me the strength in my left arm to drag myself from my family room uh, over a small step leading into the rest of my home and through the hallway into my front door. I got the front door unlocked and 
the EMS came shortly after and got me um, to St. John's Hospital in uh, Warren, Michigan. They gave me a blood, um, a clot busting uh, antidote, and they wanted to wait and see if it was going to work. And with this agent, like, it's so strong that the nurse or doctor has to be in your presence the whole time this is being administered to you, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. just because of how strong it is. While I was yeah. laying there, <laughs> my right arm just shot out of the bed. So I believe it just, once that clot had burst from the medication, whatever I had been trying to do the whole time, my body was reacting to it and started to move on its own. But just as quick as that, um, that improvement came, it went away because I was, my body was moving. I wasn't controlling it. And then it stopped. I wind up spending maybe 28 days in St. John's, um, rehabilitating. I had to learn to write again, walk. The first time I was able to stand up on my feet and actually walk down the hallway was due to a um, harness that they had strapped to the ceiling and an electronic uh, controller connected to my foot that would lift my leg up and sit it back down. Um, I was released from there maybe the 20... Third or the twenty eighth of February, if I believe, if I remember correctly. And the first thing that I wanted to do when I got home was work out, um, which probably I should have, you know, took a little more time to gather myself. But all I wanted to do was to get back to what I was when I had this stroke on the third of February. I was six weeks out of uh, a show. I was supposed to be going to powerhouse classic. And, you know, it amazed the doctors. They were like, you know, for you, for one, you're too young for this. Two, we've never had a patient in our bed your age with a stroke that has a six-pack like this. Like, you're amazing. And, you know, it it didn't seem like much then, but now, you know, it says a lot. Then I just yeah. wanted them to get me better and to get me home. But they were trying to comfort me and they seen the hard work that I had put in and what God had allowed me to do. One already having MS and most patients don't come in there looking that way and have the chances that I have because the foundation that had already been built. Um, But like I said, I came home and I would try to do push-ups and sit-ups on the floor and I would get frustrated and, you know, I didn't want anybody to help me. I wanted to do everything on my own. For one, I need to be able to go back to work because, you know, this is this time of day. If you don't work, you don't eat. So that being, you know, even more important than the actual training. I just, I wanted to build my strength up so I could make it back to work. Um, I would say by April, I was begging my doctor to let me go back to work. And I won't forget it. He looked at me and he said, you know, even though you're not at full strength, if you wanted to arrest me, I wouldn't be able to stop you where you at right now. So I'm not going to tell you, you can't go back to work, but I will ask you to go back to death duty before you do anything. I said, okay, I, you know, I understood the consequences and, you know, why you felt that way. And I actually felt that way too. I just wanted to be able to go back to work. 
I probably yeah. spent maybe three or four months um, on desk duty, and all during that time, I'm still training. Um, by November of that year, I was competing in the Western um, in Grand Rapids, where I played second in three different categories. And for the people that knew what I just went through, they they couldn't understand, like, you were just paralyzed on the right side. You couldn't walk. You couldn't write. Everything you said was with a slur. How are you able to step on the stage? But, you know, I look back on that, and I believe, you know, again, it's my God. Even, you know, while I was in the hospital, I spoke very highly of God, and I knew he was going to get me through it. Um, you know, those that wish me well, they always remind me, you're here for a reason. God has yep. something in store for you. The uh, physical therapist that I work with there, she, before I left, she gave me a uh, a little picture frame, and it said, in this frame, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, which was ironic because that is the same quote that has been in my church since I was a little boy behind the pastor in the pulpit, and it meant something to me. And I believe I can do it. It's going to strengthen me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's been two, uh, since 2016, since I had that stroke. And, you know, I'm still, I face different challenges every day. And, you know, I have small setbacks, but God still sees me through. And I don't do it alone. There's a lot of people that, whether they praying with me, encourage me, or talk on the phone with me. They're somewhere praying for me or praying for someone like me. And, you know, that goes that goes pretty far. And I think sometimes, you know, even, my, even myself, I, I can lose track of what's important. You know, I, during the course of that, I realized that I had made bodybuilding my everything. And which, to a point, I don't feel this wrong, but when you start to neglect other areas, um, yeah. you know, that's that's when you need to step back and realize, and I believe that's why God set me down in the manner that he did. You know, I would miss my own, like, like I said, on my birthday, nobody will miss me. Nobody will know that there's something wrong because it's not unlike me to just go to the gym and come yeah. back home and go to work the next day. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there's a lot more to life than bodybuilding or, you know, training. It's a great tool to have. It's definitely a great stress reliever. And we need to build our, you know, build our bodies to be stronger. But, you know, we need to have a healthy balance. And often when I forget that, I'm very well reminded by those that care about me. Get a balance. Don't overdo it. There you and go. Mike. And that's pretty much why I'm right now. You know, I, uh, like I said, I had a couple of setbacks. Um, I got rid of the drop foot, and this time last year I was actually running. But for whatever reason, it, uh, and we're trying to figure that out now, my neurologist says that he's going to get an extra degree just for dealing with a person like me because he can't figure me out. But, you know, in my yep. opinion, that's why they practice. That's why they practice medicine, you know. They don't know yes. everything. And they they can't they don't know the future. 
not psychics, and uh, you know they they know the body, but they don't know the mind. And it sounds like you are yeah. really challenging every theory that they come up with because you've either dispelled it or you found a way to basically surpass it. So now you just competed the, over the weekend, and uh, you didn't slouch out on the placings either. And you look really good. I mean, uh, your your symmetry is. is I, I have to. I I got to see it firsthand, and it's very well polished. Is this uh, something that you expected to be able to do? Did you see this when you were in the hospital? I mean, did you foresee this? And when you were praying to God, did you know that you would you'd be able to come back this far? Well, you know what this this will seem odd, but for those people that know me. Um, my thought process then was, God, if I'm not going to be able to care for myself and get back out there and do the things that I'm used to doing, I don't want to be a burden on my family and friends. You know, life is tough for everyone. And I didn't want to be another, you know, burden to someone, even though, you know, when it's family, they don't look at it as a, as a burden until it's every no. day, you know. Um, and that's how I was thinking. So, you know, I'm asking God, you know, give me the opportunity to get better or take me out. And, you know, I think back and it scares me now because I wanted to live. You know, I wanted to be here. I wanted to make changes. And I just needed that time, I guess, not knowing that, um, you know, you need to recategorize certain things in your life. And as far as competing again, I believed in my heart that I would get back to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just felt that, okay, it's going to take a little time, but I'm going to push myself. I was going to physical therapy three days a week outpatient after I had already spent a month inside of, uh, you know, inpatient therapy. And I would leave the outpatient therapy and go to the gym and train myself. I was falling all over the place, but I would go and push myself. <laughs> and some, you know, a lot of people that knew me were like, why don't you just go home? I can't go home. I got to get back to what I was so I can be better than what I was. And yeah. they're like, oh, okay. And they would walk away, you know, because they knew how I was. Um, you know, so I knew that I would compete again. I was trying to force it. Uh, a couple of people, including uh, Kelby Stearns and uh, some other people that was there, was like, you know, take your time. There's no rush. There's no rush. I'm like, okay. So, you know, I took a little more time. And by, like I said, by November, I was back on stage for the first time. Within, that was the 11th month. I had the stroke the second month of the year. So uh, nine months, which, you know, it shows you how God can work. Yes, amen. So, uh, yeah, I definitely seen it. I just didn't know when I would be back there. Now, this is interesting because, you know, a lot of people, they have reasons why they why they get out the gym. I was talking to about two or three people today that have basically gotten away from the gym. Right before I left the gym today, there was another lady that was in, in pretty bad shape. She'd come in, uh, I'd say about maybe – well, I would say about nine months ago, 
Um, and she was working really hard. She had a good support group. There was two other fellows that were coming in with her, and they would all work out really hard. And then something happened and fell off. I didn't really get into it. But, you know, she was pretty down and out on herself for getting away from it. It sounds like you never wanted to get away from it. As, as a matter of fact, it seemed like you were more driven once the the, the injury had happened to go even harder. I mean, and now while they're trying to pull the reins in on you, the other people are basically giving up on themselves. What drove you to that and what kept you staying on course, even though you had one heck of a train wreck that should have stopped or basically inhibited a lot of what you had planned? You know, there was the fact that, like I said, I had a aunt with multiple sclerosis and I assisted her majority of, you know, my teenage years and young adult years um, with the rest of my family members, uh, you know, moving around. And I seen what MS had did to her. So Mm -hmm. when that doctor told me then, you know, that continue doing what you're doing because it's working for you, that was something that I never let go of. So, you you know, having that, having that as an issue and then having a stroke on top of it, I just felt like, okay, I just need to work even harder because as long as God gives me rest, I'm going to be there. Too many things I want to do in life to just give up and be bedridden. And I know God has a plan for everyone, but I know that if you're willing to move, if you show effort, he gives it back to you a hundred folds. So that's what you know drives me to continue to do the things that I do. Yeah, you've mentioned that there's been people that have been supportive of you. How hard was it to hear them say, you know, slow down when you're basically looking to them to tell you to go ahead and push harder? Did that take a little bit out of your sails? Or did that just, you know, straighten you even more to do what you had to do and know that this was God challenging you and not basically you giving up on yourself? You know, it's funny you say that because I um, I actually said that on my birthday I was reborn as a child because I finally, as an adult, realized what it was like to be a child, um, to, you know, try to reach out for something and you're making all types of facial expressions like you see babies do when they're playing with you and, you know, you're playing with them. Um, I became a child when those people would tell me to slow down or be careful or they care about me, knowing that they meant it and they had rights to say everything that they were saying to me. I just became a child about it. I I pouted or I waited till they wasn't around. I remember, uh, it was probably four days after I was released. You know, I was home alone, and I went into my garage where I have a gym, and I tied a dumbbell to my hand. I was trying to do dumbbell curls. Probably was doing more damage than good, but it was a light dumbbell, and I thought it would be okay. You know, <laughs> at that time, I just wanted to be doing something. You know, I, I wanted yeah. to be showing that I'm going to make improvements. So, yeah, it it would discourage me to not, you know, hear them tell me, no, you can do it, do more, do more, because that's what I wanted, and that's what I would have probably told someone else. 
uh, maybe not in that same boat, you know, but I've always yeah. been encouraging people to, you know, try their best and, you know, work hard. So that was the same type of things that I wanted to hear, not taking into fact that they're more concerned about me being here than they're concerned about me looking a certain way or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And I think a lot of times those people on the outside look at me and think like, oh, you're just vain. Oh, you just, you know, you want a six-pack or <clears throat> all you care about is making muscle. And deep down, it's not about that for me. It's about being healthy, being strong, and knowing that I can do for myself. And if doing these things now, prolonging in the long run to, to be able to continue to do for myself, that's going to drive me to work hard and, you know, training and being vain or, you know, whatever anyone's opinion about bodybuilders actually are, you know, that's their opinion. But this is what works for me. It keeps me on a set path. It makes it easier for me to say, okay, I'm going to do a show in four months because I know for the next four months, I'm not going to stray away from my training or my dieting or, you know, just the mental mindset of I'm going to be better. Now, here's the thing, because this is what Debbie says, with MS, you're battling life as well as competing with other athletes. How much does one role play for the other, or does it motivate you to do better and better no matter what? You know what? As far as MS, like I said, I accept it that it's there, but I refuse to let that be a cage for me. I refuse to let it, you know, to have it in my mindset that I can't do. And for most people that know me, I'm probably, you know, uh, how could I say it? And it's not to brag, but I'm a pretty strong guy uh, physically, you know, um, probably more physically than mentally sometimes, uh, depending on the situation. So it just, you know, I, I continue to, to do, I continue to try. I don't let it, you know, sit there and say, okay, well, your brain is not going to connect with this muscle this morning. You know what? If that happens, then I have to find another method to make it work. If I can't run, I'm going to walk uphill. If I can't walk uphill without it putting me in pain, I'm going to get on an elliptical or, you know, I have a combat bike. I'm just going to find another method to get what I need. Well, it works for you, I mean, because you're doing a great job on it. Now, here's one of the things that's really got a lot of listeners, like, with question marks, is, you know, at no point did you ever say that you felt defeated. You had moments of uh, the downtime, you know, where you're really contemplating and thinking. But it doesn't sound like you had any kind of depression or blow to your ego where you said, you know, it's time to give up. I mean, what, what, I know God is with you. I know that. Oh, and the, I know the adversary is going to send things in your way to, to basically immobilize you or slow you down so you will give up. Now, prayer and the prayers of others do avail as much. And that, that mindset that I can do this, especially with Scripture, backing up your thought process. Were there ever was there ever a time where someone came into your life and basically tried to override your way of thinking, a thought process? I'm sorry, could you repeat that part? 
Was there anyone there, that did was what? Was there ever a time in your life or a person in your life that tried to override your driven process of I will be back to me? Um, no, thank God, uh, because I probably would have moved them from my life if I had someone that actually felt like you need to stop completely. Um, for the most part, I've, although I haven't always seen eye to eye with my support system, um, they they know my mindset. They know what drives me. And like I said, they would recommend, like, you know, take it easy. But to hear someone tell me, you know, you just need to stop and, you know, you need to find a new uh, outlet or, you know, something like that, that would have devastated me, especially if it was someone very close to me that I cared or loved, you know, because I would never tell anyone to not follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles have been put in front of them. You know, you mm-hmm. you can't you can't have it if you don't reach for it. So, you know, uh, some now, things this, this take a little time. This question is from Carla. And she's a little confused. And uh, so you, you're going to have to explain what MS is because she's saying if you've already got a muscle issue with MS, how do you build muscle and keep it? Is it just diet or what? That's what she's asking. You know, um, multiple sclerosis is a neurological disease. And basically it affects how your brain communicates with the muscles in your body. Um, Okay. For me, and even with the doctors, they don't quite understand how I'm able to do some of the things that I do, well, pretty much majority of the things that I do, because, you know, I have lesions on my brain and on my, you know, spinal cord that says, okay, you should be laying down somewhere. I truly believe as long as I don't lay down, it can't take that control over me building muscle. Um, I think the actual lack of uh, building muscle or losing muscle is from not being mobile and not using resisted exercises to either maintain or build the muscle. So if my mindset is I'm not going to lay down, I'm going to continue to try, then, you know, those uh, components are still allowing me to build muscle or maintain the muscle that I have. That's when I step on stage, I'm not a huge guy. And, you know, I take pride in competing naturally. Um, so I know, okay, if I'm not going to put on 30 pounds of muscle, I can at least come in conditioned. And hope that, you know, that plays a huge part and, you know, what the judges look at and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to answer her question, how am I able to build muscle, I believe it's basically your mindset. I believe that the loss, you know, and there are physicians that will probably, you know, be able to explain it better, but I feel like if I keep doing, I'll keep building or keep maintaining. Yeah, and now here's the thing, and uh, this is uh, from Thomas, and he's saying – that, you know, if you had chosen the road of uh, steroids or growth hormone, you would have actually quickened your disease, even though you might have seen short-term results. Um, so I'm, exactly. I, you know, I think God, 
hadn't done that, but but go ahead and elaborate on what he's saying. Um, well, I don't know much about it, but from my understanding, um, like with the use of steroids, steroids promote growth. Um, but if you have illness, it also will promote your illness. And there are certain types of steroids that are used to treat um, multiple sclerosis, for example, prednisone. Mm-hmm. But it's not the type of steroid that will assist you in building anything but a larger gut. Um, it's actually, in my opinion, a horrible um, drug as far as the side effects. Like, you know, it may help you with the inflammation from the multiple sclerosis, but if you're a person that likes to be mobile and, you know, likes to feel good and get up, the medication actually depresses you when you after long-term use, yeah. after you see what it does to your body. Um, you know, it's, you can go from a 145-pound man to a 230-pound man that don't want to get up and move. They may feel better, but they're not doing anything physically. That's that's a good point. Um, I've known three people that were put on prednisone, and all of them became severely depressed. Uh, one even had suicidal tendencies and thoughts, and mm-hmm. it was frightening because see the dramatic changes in the person. It, it, it really uh, just caught me off guard because you're watching almost the Jekyll and Hyde mentality where you have somebody that can be outgoing, uh, very open to basically sheltered and hidden. And it, it was it was such a drastic change that we were able to get to, to them in time and, uh, you know, keep them from actually following through on those thoughts and, and, and ideas. So I, I'm sure that many people, I, I would say all everyone, is very happy that you decided to uh, stay away from that and not make it a part of your right, your, right. your regime. Because, uh, the, like you said, the side effects. I, I, I'm always uh, careful and cautious when people tell me they're getting a prescription because the first thing I do that is what are the side effects? Because the, you know sometimes they're much worse than than the cure, and I haven't seen. <clears throat> Uh, prescriptions that cure much of anything nowadays. Most of it is just uh, masking the pain or the illness so you can basically get back to a quote-unquote living. So, you know, thank God for your mindset and thank God for your diet because they've sustained you uh, a long way. And and thank God for you believing in God so you can uh, always have someone to turn to that can actually help you. That's always a nice place to, to, to be and a person to have. So with your faith in mind, you know, how much does that play a role in interacting with others? And how do you use this as a motivational tool to basically uh, bring others to Christ if they want to speak about it and also bring them to good health if they want to speak on that arena as well? Well, you know, and I have to be honest with you, the person that I was before I had the stroke and the person that I am now, I believe in a lot of ways are a lot different from each other. You know, before, mm-hmm. like I said, I was very, um, and I'm still very uh, routine-o-matic. I do the same things every day. But mm-hmm. I found myself, my business is my business type of person uh, before then. Like, you know, whatever I'm going through, 
I'll go through it alone. You know, that's my business. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know what I'm going through. But afterwards, I kind of see that sometimes someone knowing that they're not alone and that someone else may be going through something too, it can motivate people. You know, I've had a lot of people after several shows come up to me and be like, you know, I can't believe this, man. You, to see what you have went through and what you're doing now, it like it really motivates me. And, you know, it it actually can bring you more joy than, you know, anything someone can hand you and say, good job, you know, you did this. To find out that, you know, you actually motivated someone to surpass you or to, uh, you know, you're not just making a difference in their life, you're making a difference in their family lives. I had a gentleman at a show, uh, his name was Will, um, <laughs> who had went through five back surgeries. Um, and he seen me compete last year. Well, they told my story and it motivated him. So the following year, which was this past August, he came on stage and he competed. And he actually, he took first place and I took second place. And, you know, he told me that, you know what, you, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Seeing that you was able to do it made me feel that I can do it. And, you know, his family came up to me and, you know, told me the different things that he had said about me, not knowing me, just knowing of me and, you know, and how Mm -hmm. it motivated him and, you know, at first I felt bad about taking a second place, but then I thought about it like, you know, placings mean nothing. These are people. These are people's lives. And, you know, if you can make a difference for them, you know, trophies mean nothing. So sharing my story now and knowing that, you know, someone could be in the same situation or somewhat worse situation, there's still hope. And, you know, my my outlet or my connection is, I believe, as long as God gives me breath, I can do it. You know, and that's what I hold on to. And I don't force, you know, I'm not the most religious person, but I believe strongly in my God. So, you know, I, if anything, just believe. And I believe hearing my story will make you believe in something. Because I'm here. Yeah. When, you know, most physicians, even the EMS driver that came and picked me up off my floor, I ran into one of them uh, several months later, and they remember me, and they were like, you know, most people that we pick up, like you, we never see again. Yeah. So, you know, to see me and see me out and driving and things like that, you know, it it's motivation. If it's not motivation for anyone, then... You know, hopefully something will motivate someone that's in a, you know, a situation that's looking to better themselves, whether it's going into the gym or if it's just opening a book and learning to read for the first time. Whatever it is, you know, look for something to motivate you if you can't motivate yourself. There you go. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in life that aren't, it seems like aren't fair. And that's usually what derails people from basically reaching their goal as they go through that tough time. And, you know, we all go through different variations of a tough time. You've gone through a a very major 
event in life that basically was a, a, a hard blow to your reality, and I'm sure your train of thought had to be changed where you had to do a better mindset, a better understanding, and then moving forward, basically a, a much tougher and thicker skin to get through some times and situations as you're going through rehab. Um, for the person that's seeking a way to get beyond that hard time, what would you tell them? You know what? Hold on. This is life, and life can be tough. For most people, I don't know, you know, one person that hasn't had some type of problem, and even the smallest problem that we may consider to be a small problem could be huge to that person because they're the person dealing with it. The, you know, best piece of advice that I could give them going through what I'm going through now and in the past is hold on. Tomorrow is a different day. You may be in a better situation tomorrow. So giving up today, you'll never find out what's in store for you tomorrow or the day after. Sound advice. Now, there's one thing. As you're going through your rehab, as you're going through your therapy, as you're starting to pick up the weights again on a regular basis, how many times did you say, you know, I used to be able to do this, but now I can only do this lightly? <laughs> Man, I'm still saying that. I'm still <laughs> saying that to this day. And, you know, it's just, you, you call it the Al Bundy. You know, I scored four touchdowns in a single game. You know, and I, I tell myself when I find myself saying that, I have to let that go. That was the person that mm-hmm. I was. This is the person that I am now. Okay, I'm not doing 275 on the incline bench, but I can do this 185. And if I can still build muscle and I'm alive, let's be proud of that. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it definitely plays a role on your psyche, you know, um, or just to be able to walk without tripping over the carpet or, you know, having younger mm-hmm. people or older people look at you like, what's wrong with you? You've been drinking? Or people that haven't yeah. seen you in a long time and don't know what happened. You know, I had several people walk up to me when I, you know, would go to certain gyms that I hadn't been to. And it's like, what happened to you? You got sick? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you ain't as big as you used to be. Well, you know, things happen. I'm still here, though. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think, you know, they don't mean harm. And they don't, you know, they don't know what you went through. You know, it's just a concern for them because they don't see you lifting or doing the same things that you would normally do. But that same heart that I had when I was, you know, pressing weights heavier is an even bigger heart now. It may not be the same amount of weight, but I'm going to give even more effort into what I am doing. Yes. And you'll be more precise in doing it. Now, I'm going to jump mm-hmm. in on this one. Uh, there's a lot of listeners that don't really understand the blow that you take to being driven and getting into a certain direction and then having to start over. That's very tough because you're battling the person that was versus the person that is trying to become the person that can be. It's, I mean, you make it sound... Uh, doable, 
but there's a lot of mountains in that process. And, you know, I, oh, yeah. I don't want to listen away thinking, you know, this is something you just turned, a, turned the door and, uh, and everything opened up. This is something oh. you battle with day-to-day basis. And I'd love to hear Most your of. your version of what I just said. Yeah, there's, you know what, there's days that I wake up and I should be at work or should have already been at work and I have a hard time moving or even being motivated to get out of bed. Well, when I do get out of bed, I'm falling over everything. My anxiety is high. I'm having a hard time controlling my legs. I put my underwear on. And, you know, there are difficult times, very. And like I said, if you don't have have that connection with something, if not God, you know, know, someone to turn to. And even, you know, with that being there, you know, I I don't want to give the false illusion of, I'm sorry, I'll give the illusion of, oh, yeah, as long as you believe it's going to be okay, well, you're still going to have tough times. You know, I'm still dealing with tough times, probably even tougher now than what I did when I was actually going through what I was being diagnosed with because now it's come to a point where they're, you know, wiping their eyebrows saying, well, we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We don't understand. You were doing so well, and, you know, you, you had the setback, and we got to figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you will have you, you, you will have roadblocks uh, depending on your situation. But what determines your outcome is what you're willing to do during your situation. You know, if I know that these days come, you know, I try to prepare for them. I know that there's going to be days where, you know, I'm going to be off balance. I just have already said it in my head that those days are going to be there and I can't, even though it may bother me, maybe not so many people are staring at me like I think they are. Maybe that's just in my head. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, you know, maybe it's not as bad as I think it's going to be. But I won't know unless I try. So, you know, I I try to continue to move forward. You know, they sent me home with an OFO, I'm sorry, an AFO and a cane. Okay, an AFO, what is that? That is basically a cast of your foot that keeps your body um, or your leg, your foot, if you have uh, what's uh, called drop foot, where you can't raise your foot up properly without tripping on it. Um, All right. It's just an assisting tool that you strap to your foot. I refused to wear it because I felt like, you know, I can't build that muscle up if I'm relying on this piece of equipment. Big mistake. They send you home with those pieces of equipment to keep you from hurting yourself. Yeah. I learned that through trial and error, you know. I I believe that I could do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to rely on, you know, sometimes we get so focused on, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. God help me. God help me. Well, God assisted you by giving you the, the AFO. Put it on. Come on now. You know, um, that cane, the cane I gave away. 
I'm not using this. <laughs> and that was just my mindset. Well, two days later, I fall down the steps because I ain't walking with a cane. Why am I going through this? God help me. I gave you a cane. <laughs> I made sure you had good insurance to cover it. I'm like, oh, you know what? You're right. You've been helping me all along. I just been turning certain things away because I was ignorant to the fact and I believe that this is something I can do on my own. This is just my mindset I'm going to do. Well, there's nothing wrong with thinking that you can do. But when certain things are set up for you to assist you, take advantage of those things because, like I said, these problems just don't go away. They're there. That's right. And you have to learn to deal with them as they come or you will find yourself buried. And it's harder to get out once you, you know, that dirt is starting to fall on you. I like that analogy. I like that. That's a, that's a very good one. Because, you know, as long as you have a, the outlet to do, do it. Because, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to come that all the dark days, and they're a lot darker if you don't prepare to have light bulbs throughout the house. And I say that meaning your mind having an outlet of support or basically people in your life that you can reach out to. Because if you basically isolate yourself to a dark area, it's hard to get to a light switch because now you don't know where you are in the building. Like you said, when you were talking about being in the house where you had walked back and it was the worst thing you could have done if you had just stayed closer to the door. And that's, you know, that's a good analogy for life. A lot of times we walk ourselves into a corner we can't get out without that outside. Uh-huh. And like you said, if you're praying to God and he's already given you the preparatory tools to not have to suffer, and you say, well, I don't want to use that tool. Let Give me another one. I don't, you know, that's just not how it works. <laughs> so, not yeah. at all. So, you know, in, in, in the future, for the people that are basically going through situations that are tough and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, it's really sad that the show's coming to a close, but I want you to put out there into the atmosphere how people can get through these kind of moments when it seems like there's nothing that can be done. Oh, wow, you know. I'll refer back to your light switch situation or analogy. When you're in the dark, you can't see, and you don't know which way to turn. You know there's a switch there in the house somewhere, but you don't know where it is because you're in the dark. I'm going to encourage everyone to not stop looking or fiddling fiddling around for that switch. Motivate yourself to put your hands on that wall and find that switch because it's a beautiful thing when you do and you can see and you have the light on in that room. You're no longer in the dark. Find your outlet and hold on to it. You may not have light right this second, but if you keep working and don't lose lose your focus on being in a better place and having your sight and <clears throat> motivating yourself to move forward, 
you know, it's, it can be hard, but as long as you're trying, you will eventually do better. You will eventually, you know, restore the, the vision that you need to make it to a better place. I couldn't have said it better. Now, um, you, we always give this time to the closing minutes to give you the chance to give a shout-out to all the people that have been there for you. And it sounds like you have quite a few, especially, you know, on the hospital end, therapy end, as well as supportive yeah. friends and family. Uh, take that time right now and just give a, a nice thank you to them. You know, I I have so many people that, you know, they may feel that I didn't acknowledge them or, you know, their words of encouragement or things that they did, whether they sent me an encouraging book to read or they said a prayer for me. You know, I it's so many. I don't want to start naming names and leave anyone out, but I will say yeah. this for those that are listening. Um, that know me and know that they have been in my corner and they have prayed for me and they have assisted me, whether it was them coming to the gym or taking me to the gym or, you know, telling me to slow down or sit down, don't hurt yourself, you know, uh, you know, just the prayer and the encouragement that was there. I want to thank all of them, you know, my coworkers, my family, my friends, uh, my loved ones, you know, you all, were there for me, whether I wanted you here or not, you know, you had, you definitely, uh, you helped mold me into what I believe to be a better person. Thank you. And I thank God for putting you people in my life. Amen to that. Uh, Kevin, before we end the show, anything else you'd like to add to the listeners that, uh, you might like to share with them before we, uh, the show ends? Um, no, the only thing I can say is if you're going through something, there's always a chance for improvement. So don't give up. Hold on to better days. I love that. And thank you for having me on the show to share my story. Oh, not a problem. I, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be, you know, to have the outlet to do so. Um, Kevin, thanks so much. I mean, we've got a lot of hearts, a lot of smiley faces. So, you know, you've really touched a lot of listeners. Most of them were tuned in just to listen. They just enjoy this, uh, your life story, and I did as well. And I thank you, and I thank God for your uh, rehabilitation and all the progress that you've been able to get through thus far. Um, thanks so much, man. Really, I mean that. Thanks so much. Great job on this. And uh, I know it's not easy to talk about the tough times, but you handled that very nicely as well. And, um, you know, a lot of listeners lose a lot of excuses with guests like you because they now know, you know, they are in a place more than they should. It's their life and they need to live it. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks Most again uh, to our listeners. Thanks for listening. And to everybody else that's looking for motivation, I think you just found it. Kevin, thanks for a great show. Uh, Dad, missed you. Um, just had a great time with this, and I'm sorry you weren't here to be a part of it. 
Um, everybody, thank you for a great night. Uh, listeners, thank you so much. I'm going to end it with what Des always says. Your body is a temple, so let's build it. Amen.